just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully all things are going well for you today on this show. We bring in a welcome guest, a reoccurring character, if you will, Ed. Ed, welcome to the show. Yeah, just just think of me as the, um, shoot, now I can't think of his name. The guy across the hall in Seinfeld who came in. Oh, Kramer. Kramer, yeah. Kramer, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the Kramer to your Jerry. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't think any one of us are complimented in that situation. Uh, um, uh, but, you know, people have said, uh, how do you, you do it alone sometimes? And then you have somebody like Ed come in. How do you like it when you have guests? And I said, fucking great. I have to work half as hard. You know, exactly. talking straight for an hour is not that easy. But when you've got somebody to pick up a lot of the slack and be intelligent about it, I'm all for it. One of the things we wanted to talk about today, Ed, was this uh, Secret Service bullshit and how they they uh, erased a bunch of text messages that just happened to be from the 5th and 6th of January. And after the fact that <laughs> the January 6th committee says, yeah, we want to see those. That seems troubling, but I want to add a couple other things and see what you think about this. Sounds like the Secret Service has had a lot of problems other than this one situation. Think about what's gone on recently. First of all, the head of the Secret Service just recently quit, kind of out of the blue. He was placed there by Donald Trump, and he just walked away and said, I'm done. That's kind of weird, the timing, then this comes out. I'm done. But I want to remind you of one other thing involving the Secret Service, and this is interesting. Remember on January 6th, the Secret Service took Mike Pence down to the garage and they said, get in the car and we're going to get you out of here and keep you safe. Mike Pence said, no, I'm not getting in the car. Now, I think a lot of people thought, you know, they were going to take him for a mafia type ride and he'd never return. But that, <laughs> was, that wasn't the case. What he was concerned about is they would take him away long enough so he couldn't come back and certify And then there'd be chaos and then Donald Trump can mix it up and do all his shit and hopefully get it turned over to the house. So my point is you got the guy resigning, you got the whole Mike Pence situation, and now they're asked for texts on the 5th and 6th of January. And just by accident, they all get erased. This, this tells me there's some fucking problems going on in the secret service. I'd have to agree. And of course we're projecting, here, but often where there's smoke, there's fire, or at least there's some heat. So right. uh, this is uh, there's a reason for the smoke rising, and uh, I, it was a very the only excuse I've heard is they did some sort of device update or something, but there, there's no details on that, and it sounds pretty lame to me. Uh, your point about Mike Pence is very well taken, and I'm sure that the reason that Pence even thought about that was that the day before Chuck Grassley had said he would be doing Pence's job that morning. Right, right. People don't don't remember that, but he did it. He said it. He was ready to 
run the certification. He was ready to sit in in his uh, president pro tem role um, uh, of the Senate in place of the vice president. So I'm sure that Pence was 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 pretty sure they were going to try to get rid of him some way. And uh, although being whisked away by the Secret Service is better than being hung outside, which is what they really intended to do, uh, I I have to believe that he suspected there was foul play with uh, possible within his own Secret Service detachment. Well, you know, there's another part of the Secret Service thing that seems a little fishy. We know that on January 6th, there was some issue with Donald Trump and the Secret Service. Uh, and then we have one Secret Service agent, kind of a Secret Service agent, said, yeah, that didn't happen. Well, it was kind of an unprecedented thing that when Donald Trump took office, he took a guy who was the Secret Service agent. He was working for the Secret Service. And he said, I like this guy, so I'm going to give him an upgrade to deputy chief of staff. But he's still going to have some say over the Secret Service. So he was still getting paid by the Secret Service, but now he's working for Donald Trump. We later find out he's a fucking huge Trump humper. And uh, he was there to kind of be a liaison between the Secret Service. Donald Trump was going to ask the Secret Service to do fucked up shit, probably, and they may or may not have done it. But with this guy, he could kind of work the he grease the grease the wheels a little bit so that the Secret Service would do Donald Trump's bidding. There seems to be a lot to this that that the Secret Service might be a bit corrupted. And when you think about it, we know about the FBI. We even know about the CIA to a certain extent, but you never, ever hear about the Secret Service. Uh, this is true. And, and we know the CIA was corrupted and we know the FBI was corrupted, especially under J. Edgar Hoover. They were doing all kinds of surveillance and stuff that they weren't supposed to do. And, and uh, you know, taping Martin Luther King and running files on all kinds of entertainment figures and, and politicians and people uh, building up a, a um dossier, I guess, on lots of people that could be used for blackmail. I mean, that's what the FBI was doing then, especially during the 60s and beyond with civil rights and the anti-war movement and so forth. Um, Why is it such a stretch that the Secret Service could also be corrupted? Uh, Not a stretch at all, in my humble opinion. Well, I think a lot of people don't even understand what the Secret Service is about. I mean, as far as they know, they're basically a security group that protects the president. But they are a law enforcement agency. They deal with counterfeiting and some other things. So they are a legitimate law enforcement agency, and they should be held up to certain standards. Now, they'll tell us that, well, we got new equipment, so this happened. Whoops. Oh, boy. But the fact of the matter is, if they were specifically asked by the January 6th committee a couple of days before, and they knew they were going to change these the, the this equipment, they had to know that that was a possibility and you'd want to protect yourself to make sure you got everything. So why wouldn't you do it ahead of time? This looks nothing more than they, they were afraid to turn over whatever they had and uh, they just got rid of it and they, and, and they're blatant about it. Yeah. You told us, but we got rid of it. Whoops. You know, we Donald, we know that Donald Trump had some influence over the, uh, the secret service. Uh, We know that, you know, some of the Trump humpers have infiltrated, police departments, FBI, CIA, 
the military, and probably the Secret Service. We know at least one was a Trump humper. So it, 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 it puts in question a lot going on with the Secret Service. Exactly. And um, we know the military as well. I mean, the Flynn brothers, both are, in my estimation, traitors. We know that Michael Flynn certainly is. I mean, he was on his way to, for, to prison until he was pardoned by Trump for working as an agent for a foreign government without being registered. I think that was his big deal. Right. But uh, and since then, of course, he's been trying all sorts of things. His brother, I believe, was in charge of um, some of the security on January 6th, the things that didn't get done, for example, I, I do believe that he had a big hand in, uh, in uh, keeping the National Guard from showing up or, or other forces that could have been used to uh, uh, shut that whole thing down before it got as bad as it was, for example. So we know there are people in there. We, as you said, we know that one of the, the Secret Service guys at least was compromised. And what gives that such the ring of truth is that uh, Trump is not a bright man, but he has a system that works for him. Um, when he uh, when he became president, one of his first questions was, uh, um, help me out here, Mike, who's the, the lawyer who uh, um, was kind of his mentor? Uh, oh. He was pretty much a disgraced law. Cohen. Uh, Cohen. Yes. And um, he was the Cohen. Uh, was no, the not guy. him. Not him. Yeah, it is Cohen. Uh, Cohen. It'll come to me. Cohen is the uh, Cohen is the Roy Cohen is the guy that worked with Roy, uh, Roy Cohen. Yes. Right. Roy Cohen was the guy who worked with McCarthy back in the day. And he was a despicable piece of shit. And he taught Donald Trump everything he knows. And right, yeah. After, after his time uh, with, uh, uh, with the red scare and so forth, uh, he couldn't get a job anywhere. So he became essentially a mob lawyer, which is how, uh, of course he met up with, uh, with, uh, Trump and, and Trump used him. Now, uh, I was thinking of the other, you know, the guy who, the low level guy who worked for Trump, but you're right. It was Roy Cohn. Well, there was and, Michael uh, Cohen too. Right. Michael Cohen, Cohen versus Cohn. Right. But the, uh, the, um, when, uh, he was, one of his first questions is where's my Roy Cohn? Where's my lawyer who knows the angles? And he, I think he was talking about uh, attorney general uh, or something like that. He needed that kind of guy. He also had a guy who started out as kind of a bodyguard that he hired when he saw him beating down a guy at a concert. Right. And uh, he even appeared on The Apprentice a few times as his sitting in for the Donald uh, who uh, and and that reminds me of another thing we got to mention here today. But uh, the uh, um, he has these figures that he uses and he needs. And I I have to believe that the Secret Service guy he elevated and put in place was just a counterpart for the bodyguard guy he already had. Somebody who will get rough when he needs somebody to get rough. If you know what I mean. Exactly. The guy he had as a bodyguard ended up being the CEO of the Trump organization. He had Weisselberg, yeah. who was the CFO. I can't remember the guy's name. Don't give a fuck. Uh, but he but yeah, but that guy did testify against the Trump organization. He he uh, turned states evidence, if you will. And I don't know where he anybody's right seen now. him lately. Yeah. No, nobody's seen him lately. Nobody's seen him lately. But 
But the thing is, is that that um, we we look at the Secret Service. Everything, everything Donald Trump touched is corrupt. Whether it be his yes. business, whether it be his politics, whether it be his party, and this is one of the most troubling things. I'm looking, and maybe this has always been like this, except that it wasn't out in the open. But as we look at Donald Trump in the presidency, we've got corruption in the White House. We've got sitting members of Congress participating yes. in insurrection. So we've got co- comprom- uh, compromise uh, in the uh, in the uh, Congress. And we've got yep. fucking Clarence Thomas, uh, who's compromised in the uh, Supreme Court. So we've got all three branches of the government fucking compromised. Now, that may always been the case, but now we know. Now we can see it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that it's always been exactly the case. I think there have always been corrupt individuals in there. But uh, not to the extent we have now and not in the positions of power that that they're in now. Um, I noticed that Joe Biden, for example, when he became president, he brought in his CIA guys from his vice presidential detail because right. he trusted them. And and I, I wonder if somebody hadn't whispered in his ear, you know, these Trump guys are shaky. You better watch it. Get some people that you can depend on. So. But but that that's a good point. So why was Trump's guy still in the Secret Service? The guy stand the people standing right next to Joe Biden, and then he retires or resigns or whatever he does. Joe Biden and Democrats said, "What a great guy! He did a wonderful job." I don't think he did. I no, think I don't he was think as so. Corrupt as anybody. Why would you fucking do that? I don't know, but you know, let's talk about the deep state for a moment. Now that's something that the right has been throwing at us for a long time now. This deep state that was against Trump and uh, didn't want him to succeed and did everything that they could uh, to keep him from succeeding. I, I don't think he needed any of that. He was perfectly capable of screwing everything up on his own. But I, I've learned this about the right and Republicans and conservatives in general. They project. Whatever they're doing is what they will accuse you of doing. So when they accuse uh, Washington of having a deep state, it's really theirs. They know it's there. They believe it's there because they know it exists, because they put it there. So they're, they're saying the Democrats have the same thing. I don't think that's the case, and maybe that's a problem. <laughs> but uh, uh, I do think... Uh, there's just, you know, think how many undersecretaries of labor there are, for example. Right. And sometimes they replace them all. Sometimes they don't. There are holdovers. You know, there's probably somebody in the in the administration who was in the Kennedy administration who's still hanging in there as undersecretary of labor for um, horse manure or something. Who knows? You know, but uh, or or some in the diplomatic corps and that sort of thing. There's there's holdovers. They they're professionals. They don't get replaced. Only the the heads and down a few rungs get replaced. But uh, a lot of people hang around. Well, we you know, we know that there are holdovers in the DOJ from the Trump administration. There are lower level peoples, but they're still there. Our postmaster general fucking holdover yeah. from trump and he is corrupt as fuck they keep talking about getting him out we just got to do this we got to do this but that dumb fuck is still sitting there and still trying to destroy the postal service so there is a lot of holdovers and i realize when the president comes in he's got a lot of people he's got to hire mm-hmm. but i would hope 
against hope that they're looking at these people that could have some serious impact or damage the administration and they're getting them out and just not slipping under the radar. But I don't know that that's true. Well, I give you that. Well, giving using the uh, postmaster general as uh, as an example, I mean, everybody wanted to get rid of him, but he could only be replaced by the postal board. So Biden had to replace a couple of people in the postal board. And then the Republicans refused to uh, um, to vote for them, certify them or whatever you want to call them, whatever that's called. Uh, like they like they do with judges, and so that dragged on. I I think I heard that a little while back that it was a week away from them going in, but I still haven't seen that happen. And we need to get rid of DeJoy. He's only there for one reason, and that's to destroy vote by mail and keep vote by mail from spreading. That's his job. That's why he's there. Well, let's uh, let's be honest. The whole job of the Republican Party is to destroy each and every part of the federal government. They want the federal government gone. And exactly. They, you know, I, I, I was talking to somebody and I said, tell me the difference between Republicans uh, and Democrats. And I said, well, when you're going to vote, just understand this. And I, I, I defy anybody to debate me on this. The, diff- the main difference between Democrats and Republicans is this. Republicans want to take away your rights. They want to dictate what you do. The Democrats, at least at this moment, want to give you more rights and give you more help from our government, which is what the government should do. So if you want your rights taken away, vote Republican. If you want something done for you and want to maintain the rights and maybe get some more rights, vote for Democrats. It's pretty black and white, and anybody can say whatever they want, but the proof is in the pudding. All you have to do is see what the fuck they're doing. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, you're right. And uh, every Fourth of July, there's always two movies that Turner Classic Movies puts up. One is Yankee Doodle Dandy right. um, ab- about George M. Cohen. There's another Cohen. They're everywhere. Yeah. But uh, anyway, who was Irish, by the way. But the uh, the other one is 1776. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a perfect musical by any means. Uh, and uh, some of the songs are just terrible. But and a couple of them are pretty good. But um, it does point up that the real battle in the beginning was between the Federalist and the uh, Anti-Federalist. In other words, between strong federal government, strong states' rights. And back then, uh, as today, the South and uh, what would become the West, of course, uh, are always for states' rights. And why is that? Number one. Their uh, population is fairly homogenous. They tend to be Protestant and white, the people in power. And they want it to stay that way. Now, the federal government, the federal government, of course, says, no, you got a lot of black people there. They're not slaves anymore. So they deserve to be able to work, to live where they want, uh, to have the right to vote. And the the South, they lose their mind, you know, out West, uh, Southwest, uh, I mean, Mexicans were there long before any Anglos showed up because it was part of Mexico. Then we took it away from them. Well, the Anglos, were, I mean, the Mexicans were still there, the Hispanic peoples, but the the white people were in charge and uh, they wanted to stay in charge. So they resist the federal government there in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, you know, uh, pretty much throughout the West. And then, then you had the 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 Bundy types out there, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, 
we hate them. We hate anything that isn't us <laughs> kind of people. And they want states' rights because they can control the state. Right. They don't want the federal government coming in and saying, no, you can't graze your cattle on that land because it's a national park. They hate that. They right. despise that. Or no, you can't um, uh, frack everything in sight because you're destroying uh, the environment. They hate that. Uh, no, you can't dig that coal. We're not even going to use it anymore. Uh, they hate that. Uh, yeah, you got to let those black people vote. Oh, they hate that. On a state level, they can control it. As long as there's an overriding federal government, they're screwed. Their solution, get rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to wonder if they got what they wanted, gave the states all the power and no federal control at all. Does that mean we then get to quit paying federal fucking taxes? Because we are paying taxes for the federal government to do something. If they aren't allowed to do anything anymore, what are we paying taxes for other than to pay for Joe Manchin's 750,000 fucking houseboat? Well, there you go. And and Manchin is in the news again for screwing everything up by standing in the way of environmental legislation and standing in the way of the Build Back Better. So uh, he is uh, he's doing, I guess, exactly what he's supposed to do. Whoever's gives him all the money for uh, what he does, and that is to throw a wrench into everything. But but uh, that that it is a double edged sword that they don't realize. The people that are largely in favor of states' rights tend to be pretty ignorant, you know. And it sounds great. I'm a Floridian. I'm a Texan. I'm a Tennessean. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, that, that takes precedence over America. And what they don't realize, and Tennessee's a good one, um, we get more from the federal government than we put in. Right. Uh, you, you take all of the federal taxes that Tennessee pays and goes, we get a lot more than that back. And if you took that, if, if that was stopped, if you weren't paying federal taxes and you weren't getting federal money, for your highways, for your Medicaid, for all of those things, they would go away. People would be hurting for certain because uh, that's a teat they've been sucking on for, you know, hundreds of uh, 250 years, practically. Right. And, uh, and they're addicted, but they don't even know they're doing it. I just want to bring up mansion briefly. Cause I just did a TikTok on it. So, the Democrats and Joe Biden are all upset and, and Democrats throughout the country are upset because Joe Manchin once again pissed on the Democrats parade and doesn't want to support uh, climate change or other tax provisions. Is this is this some big fucking surprise? Joe Manchin doesn't want to support climate change. The guy that gets a million dollars a year from a fucking coal mine. This this is not news. This is what he's been doing for years. He's done it, doing it every four or five months during the Biden administration. Why are the Democrats and Joe Biden wasting their fucking time on this? I mean, every time they say, well, we think we got Joe. Joe's going to be on our side. Way to go, Joe. And every fucking time he says, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. The bottom line is we've got to deal with Joe Manchin. But I think the way they're trying to do it by being bipartisan or, 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 or negotiating, they don't fucking negotiate. So don't waste your time negotiating. There's only two things we can do. We can 
fight like hell for the midterms and get two more uh, Democratic senators. So now Joe Manchin is inconsequential. That's really the only thing we can do. We can't get rid of Joe. Even if we did get rid of Joe, it would probably be worse. So don't worry about Joe. Let's make him inconsequential. And then the next thing I think we should do is whatever Joe brings to the table for his uh, uh, personal interest or for his state, shut it down. Vote for nothing that Joe Manchin brings to the table. Make him ineffectual. Make him pay for his obstructionism because he's got to be taught a lesson. He's got to be made inconsequential. He's got to be taught a lesson, and he's got to be put in his place. And this is what pisses me off about the Democrats and and, and Joe Biden. Well, we got to work with Joe. Fuck you. He's not willing to work with you, so don't work with him. You're the most powerful man in the world, and, and the Democrats have the majority. Fucking do something. Get a little tougher out there. You, 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 our, our country and our democracy is on the line in November. So let's just focus on taking down the Republicans and fucking Joe Manchin. Exactly. Exactly. Do a deal with Liz Cheney. Get her vote. That fucks Manchin right there. You know, but but she won't do it. She's so ultra conservative. She is not the Democrats friend, but I think a lot of people think she is. No, I don't. I'm not under that illusion. And I've uh, I've tested the fact to that effect a couple of times. My enemy is my friend. Uh, The enemy of my enemy is my friend until such time as uh, the enemy's gone. (laughs) And then they're the enemy again. And that's Liz. Uh, Because she she votes consistently 99% of the time in favor with anything that that, that Donald Trump or any other Republican wanted. But uh, and Manchin, of course, uh, will occasionally favor the Democratic Party with his vote, which a Republican in West Virginia would not do. So there's that tiny little bit of sunshine there, but you're 100% right. You've got to give him some reason to, uh, I mean, if, if he's seen as completely ineffectual, then he's done, right, in, right. in his state. I mean, it's weird that he's in there at all, um, but the, the main reason being he gets lots of money from the fossil fuel industry to stay in there, right, because he's their guy. Um, yeah, he should be shunned. He should be shunned. No Democrat should speak to him. You know, want to have lunch? No, I don't even see you, Joe. You know, I mean, there's it, there's ways and, and any initiative, anything, shut it down. Put it this way. He is a Democrat because it's more valuable to his supporters than if he were a Republican. He gets to be the the insider. He yep. gets to know what the Democrats are doing. And he gets to undermine the Democrats anytime he wants and then say, well, I'm a Democrat. I'm convinced that he's a Democrat because his people, the people giving him money, want him to be a Democrat. They want him on the other side of the aisle just to be more helpful. And he's certainly done that. Yeah, I mean, how, look how terrible it looks to, to Joe Biden and to the Democrats in general to have one of their own shut him down. I mean, and progressives give me a pain sometime, even though I am one, where they're constantly saying, Joe isn't doing enough on this. Joe isn't doing enough on that. Well, I agree. It would be nice if we could do this or that sometimes. But right now, we need to. We just need to carry the day in the midterms, and then we'll work on that. But yeah. but uh, when it comes to, to people like, like uh, Joe Manchin and Cinema. Uh, you got to shut them down. You got to let them know that, no, you, you don't 
you don't get to be a Democrat unless you act like one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and unfortunately, like you said, uh, if Joe Manchin gets kicked out, he won't because he's got too much money back in him. But if he does, you're going to get some crazy ass Trump fuck Republican in there and it's going to be worse. There is no hope for West Virginia. I mean, it's no. sad that a little state like this could have have that much power over the entire country. And, and that's exactly what's happening. It is indeed. And uh, I, uh, it drives me crazy. I lose sleep over the fact that we could have done so much more uh, in, in uh, the last two years, had it not been uh, for Joe Manchin. I mean, oh, yeah. we would have had Build Back Better. We would have had climate control legislation but for him. Well, and see, that's why I'm saying we can sit and try to negotiate and we're not going to change his mind. He's getting too much money from people who want to fight against that. Our only real option is on us, the voters. We go out there and vote in mass and get two more senators minimum that are democratic. Then we make them inconsequential. And see, that's, you know, we spent all this time negotiating this. They haven't been able to pass shit because of the filibuster and because of Joe Manchin and because of all this bullshit. Why not just say, OK, we can't do anything. We're going to do nothing but tear down the Republicans and do everything we can to win in the midterms, because if they get some room in the Senate and some room in the House, then they can do whatever the fuck they want for two years. Let's go for that. Let's not keep bumping our head against the fucking wall for nothing, because that's what it seems like the Democrats are doing. Yeah, and we know the things we have to do. Get rid of the filibuster. We will never do that with Joe Manchin in the position that he's in. No. Uh, unless, unless we make him inconsequential, because he will not go for that. Uh, the other thing uh, is uh, we, he will not, uh, we've got to uh, expand the court. He won't go for that. Uh, the Democratic initiatives that we absolutely have to do, get rid of the Electoral College. He's against that. The major things that we need to do, he is against. So, and, and you're very, you're very, very right when you say it's money, because if he is head of a committee or even uh, a vice chair of a committee or something like that, the guys on K Street are going to come up and lay the money on him because he can make sure that what they want done gets done. And that's, that's, his, uh, that's his niche, to sit there, take money, and keep things from happening, period. Well, well, and I think what adds to the problem here is everything that you said Joe Manchin is against, so yeah. is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is against all that shit because he's old school. Well, we're in a new era right now. Things have changed dramatically. We can't work off of what happened in the 80s, 90s, or even the early 2000s. We need some fresh ideas because we've got a hole we've got to dig ourselves out of. We can't turn this country around and right this ship unless we get rid of the filibuster, get rid of the Electoral College, and expand the courts. Those three things are imperative. They're important to do if we want to turn this around and get come back out the other side and find the light at the end of the tunnel. If I can come up with any more metaphors, I will fucking <laughs> let you know. But But you see what I mean? We've got to make dramatic changes because we're in dramatic trouble. It's not like a slow movement like when Obama was in or something like that. This is this is fucking emergency. So we got to make those changes and we've got to do it as quickly as possible. 
Uh, you're absolutely right. And uh, Joe was not my first choice by any means. I was no. an Elizabeth Warren fan uh, and or and other people. He was like number four on my list, as a matter of fact. But he became president, and I'm not sure any of the others could have at, at that point in time. And I give Joe credit. We have seen movement. He used to be anti-abortion. Yeah, I know. I know. I, yeah, and I'm not saying Joe's done a bad job. He's done the job he was hired for. But we need more than that going to the future. Right. And and his Build Back Better includes a lot of things that he once would not have been for. So he has learned. He has moved. The The right never moves, uh, ex- except to go back further sometimes. So uh, I'm happy with Joe at this point. I will support him in the next election. Don't don't be muddy in the waters with any other by anybody else to throw in there. That's right. just stealing votes. Let's no. Let's be honest. I, I'll just take a wild guess here. But if you took Joe Biden when he was in Congress, was he a senator? He was a senator, right? Senator. Yeah. Okay. When he was a senator, he's closer to Joe Manchin than he is Bernie Sanders. Much closer. Much, much closer. So he's not that far off of what Joe Manchin was. And that's fine. He settled things down a little bit. It's not as corrupt. It's not as criminal. But We've taken a wide turn to the right. We need more than just a little movement to the left to fix this fucking thing. And sometimes I wonder, you know, the whole progressive things, I would vote for a progressive thing. Not that I would necessarily support all the things that progressives say because they're so far left. But I think we almost have to do that in order to get it back to the middle. We've got to make a dramatic change to the left to get us out of the fucking hole we're in in the right. My question is, can a progressive win in this country? I'm not sure they can. Well, uh, they didn't think that when uh, when Roosevelt won. Um, True. And, and uh, if there hadn't been such a huge, gigantic uh, uh, trauma from the Great Depression, maybe he wouldn't have. But uh, he did. And uh, the things like Social Security saying things like uh, a 40 hour week, uh, a weekend, uh, that kind of stuff. That was all radical. That was all radical at the time. And the Republicans were against all of it. And uh, the labor movement itself, a bunch of communists, you know, right. I mean, uh, uh, all of that was way left back then. Then by the, when, the time you and I came along in the 50s and 60s, that was normal. Right. Well, that's the way things should be done. And then then we let it all get away from us with Reagan and, and Clinton and a bunch of other people who decided, hey, Wall Street's great. And and Joe, you got to remember, he was a senator from Delaware, which is the population of Delaware is eight people and 10,000 right. corporations. Right, right. And, you, you know, know <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, um, back in the day when I was in business um, and you'd form an LLC. Yeah, You don't have to form the LLC in the state you live in. You can pick some arbitrary state, have a a P.O. box in that state and call that your home office if you're a small company. And Delaware was the place everybody went because there were no taxes, whether business taxes or whatever. So that was, you know, that was more accommodating to business, even small businesses. So every time 
I opened an LLC and I opened a couple of them. They said, do it in Delaware. I never did because that makes no fucking sense to me. I live in Minnesota. If there's taxes, well, if I don't like the taxes, I should fucking move. But I'm not going to try to subvert something because it just seemed too fishy to me. But you're right. Delaware is a, is an unusual state. I know he's originally from Pennsylvania, but he is he was a senator from from Delaware. And I don't know that Joe is really got I don't. I think he's um, out of touch with really what's going on in this country. Uh, and I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that as, as, as a, uh, a put down. He's a 78, 79 year old guy. He's been in Congress for 50 years. The idea that he might be out of touch isn't that crazy. And this is why I've said when we come up to the next election, election 2024, everybody's worried. Is Donald Trump going to run? No, he's not going to run. He may not even be able to run. Is Joe going to run? A fucking course not. He's not going to run. That makes no sense. He's not going to admit that yet. But we need a totally different view going to the future if we hope to have any fucking future. I'm not convinced. It depends what happens over the next two years. If we take the midterms and, and uh, Joe's able to get what he wants, he might just run again. Uh, if he's smart, if he's a patriot, he won't. He will turn it over to an Elizabeth Warren uh, who might be a little long in the tooth even. But you know, turn it over to somebody who's maybe uh, maybe uh, Gavin Newsom. You know, well, Gavin here's, a guy who could, here's a guy who could win. Here's a guy who has the right policies. Right. Yeah. Gavin Newsom is a significant possibility um, because, like you say, he has the, the liberal bent. He has the right policies. And he unfortunately, this is a factor these days, but he, he has the looks for the job. And there's a lot of people who will vote for him just because of that. You know, people are voting for Donald Trump because of popularity, because he's rich, because of whatever they may like or not like him. But they say, I know that guy. I'm going to vote for him. And Gavin, they saw him on TV. Right, they saw yeah. him on friggin' TV like Dr. Oz, you know. Right. Well, Dr. Oz is getting his ass kicked right now in the polls, but which is good to hear because he's a piece of shit and doesn't even live in Pennsylvania. Uh, did you know that Gavin Newsom, this may work against him. Did you know that Gavin Newsom is Nancy Pelosi's nephew? Yeah, I did. Yeah. That may not work for him. And they, you know what? As, as good a job as she's done, she needs to fucking go. She's too old to be doing this. Well, as uh, you know, at the age of 72, I have to agree with you. I know what my limitations are, I, you know, and I, I also know that I'm not dumb. I also know I have a certain level of talent and so forth, but I also know, well, you hear me on the podcast half the time. I can't come up with somebody's name, you know, right. 10 minutes. I'll, I'll give me you all of them. I sit on, you know, I sit on jeopardy and I go, I used to know that I used to know that. You know, yeah. I just don't have quite the gray matter that I used to have, but so, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Nancy needs to go, uh, um, uh, uh, any number, anybody over 70 needs to go. And I'd even knock it down to 65. I mean, we have, 
with, that was the reason it was chosen for people to retire for a reason, right? Right, right. <laughs> and, exactly. uh, and then why not rest? Why, why not rest on your laurels? I'm certainly enjoying doing it. And if I can occasionally step up and say, uh, "Hey, I remember how it was, and we need to get back to this," or "I went through that and it was awful, and I don't want to see it again." I mean, I have that perspective on history, so that's valuable, I think. But at the same time. I, uh, the technology is so far beyond me. I mean, I came to computers, uh, I was probably in my forties when I first sat down at a keyboard, a keyboard, you know, and I, and I had to, uh, things that, you know, there were kids going into kindergarten and there were students that we had, Mike, who could go rings around me with computers. And I realized that. And I knew at the time I can, I could, I could study 24 hours a day and I would never have the natural inclination than they do because they started at it so young. They understand things. They can go, when a new operating system comes out or something, they can get it in two minutes. Be a year later, I'm still struggling with it. You know, it's uh, it's that sort of thing. You get stuck in time. Right. And, and I, I'm afraid you're right about that. Anybody of a certain age, you're still, you want it back the way it was when you were in your prime. Right. And when Joe could do deals, he could walk over to John McCain and say, you know, let's work this out. I think between the two of us, we can come up with something that everybody will go for. Well, John McCain's dead, you yeah, know, yeah. and and uh, Lindsey Graham, he could be friends with Lindsey, but then Lindsey gets compromised and blackmailed or whatever's going on by Trump. So that's gone. You know, it, it doesn't exist anymore. And uh, that's but that's still his frame of reference i'm sorry to say so uh yeah i do hope i i like once again though i will support him 100 percent if he runs but I, I don't think it's the greatest idea no i don't either i and i know i fall into that same trap as a kid who grew up in the 70s i long for the days of having a shag haircut platform shoes cuff baggies and flouncy shirts i wish i could pull that off but the hair thing's really a problem. I got nothing to shag. So um, <clears throat> we got to take a break here in a second. I just want to throw something out for you to think about. You know, if Nancy Pelosi leaves, and I hope she does because she's put in her time, she's done a good job for what she's doing. But I have the per- perfect person to fill the spot of the Speaker of the House if Nancy Pelosi leaves. Okay, I can't wait to hear that. But before we take break, I just got to mention this because it, it probably is not going to fit anywhere else but it's it's perfect and and i have to mention it okay uh, uh, ivana trump died you knew that right right uh, donald's first wife and uh um who you know was fairly well known and, and uh, uh they were kind of a team there for a while and of course eventually she aged out and he dumped her and moved on right 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 but uh it, it's a shame that she died she was only 73 Right. But uh, D- Donald sent out a uh, condolence letter, right, uh, talking about what a great lady she was. At the bottom was a link to his <laughs> fundraising site. A fucking course. And I, I said on a TikTok, I said, I said, uh, it's ironic that he would speak so highly of her because she claimed he raped her. He cheated yes. on her. He divorced her. He didn't help her with raising the kids at all. And he was a piece of shit. The fact that Donald Trump gives a fuck is absolutely ridiculous. Donald Trump doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself. And we're seeing that proven out 
every day right now. I'm going to take a break, but I'm going to tell you who that that the best choice as Speaker of the House, I think, who's currently in the House of Representatives. All right. I'll try. I'll uh, try to think who it might be while you do that. All right. We'll take a quick break. I'll tell you what it is. You try to come up with who I think it is. All right. We'll take a break. Uh, We'll be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. All right, we are back. I have Ed with me, and I was talking about who I thought would be the perfect replacement for Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House, assuming she retires sometime in the near future. And who who do you think I'm thinking of? Well, I, I put considerable thought into it in the last three minutes. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, the only one I could come up with for myself, and I can't think of his last name, but he's on the January 6th committee and has done some of the uh, um, uh, the interrogation and the, the the interviewing and so forth. I think his first name's Peter, but he's you know the from back east. He's got dark curly hair, maybe Jewish. I can't remember. You're, you're but, talking uh, about you're they, talking about Jamie Raskin. That's it, Jamie. Jamie Raskin. Jamie yeah, Raskin. I think he would. I think he would be a good choice. Yeah. He would be a good choice. I see him as a potential presidential candidate sometime down the road, depending on how this January 6th committee ultimately shakes out, because he's going to be given a lot of credit for it. I think the person who would be best chosen to be the Speaker of the House to replace Nancy Pelosi, should that happen? Well, it will happen. She's 80 something. So eventually she's going to leave. I think the best person for that job, Katie Porter. Yeah, okay. I'll go along with that. I'll go along with that for sure. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, Katie Porter should run for president. AOC should run for president. I think it's too early for them to do that. I think they need some more time and more exposure to the whole system. They're both relatively new to Congress uh, for them to put in two or four, even six years and then run for president. I think that's too early. But I think Katie Porter would bring that toughness and that directness to the speaker of the house better than anybody who's sitting on the, uh, in the house of representatives right now. Yeah. As, as an interim candidate. So kind of, of moving from Pelosi uh, on down the road. Yeah. I think that that's a really good choice. She's articulate. She's bright. 
She's uh, she's got so many things going for her. Uh, and I also I, I think she could be a bridge to I know that young people in general are just totally pissed off that old people are still in charge of everything. Right. And they want some young blood in there. Now, she's not exactly a, a teenager, but she's certainly younger than Nancy Pelosi. But uh, eventually we're going to have to get the AOCs and, and uh, the Pete Buttigieg's and people like that in there. But because uh, that's who the millennials want. It and is that's who the Xers and the Ys and the Zs want. They want, they're not like us. We put up, you know, people go boomer, boomer, boomer. You guys are awful. You did everything terrible and so forth. The thing is, remember the, who was the first boomer president? Bill Clinton, right? Right. right. And, uh, so, so uh, everybody else, the Pelosi's have been in there forever. She's not a boomer. Um, the, um, um the Joe Bidens and these people that are barely boomers. Um, we never got our shot. You know, you and me, we didn't We never <laughs> take it. We didn't take it or whatever. We were content to let these, 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 in many cases, spuds who just sit there uh, and do nothing uh, rest on their laurels for 30 years. Right. Um, right. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's like we got out there and, and yelled and shouted and so forth. We ended the war. We helped with civil rights and so forth. But then we said, okay, now let's go make money. And we didn't pay attention. And we let people take over, or let people stay in place who didn't change with the times and actually let everything backslide. So yeah, we, we do have some, uh, we do have some things to answer for, but it wasn't like that we were necessarily the ones who were pulling the strings. Uh, we should have been. We should yeah. have taken and, and we should be willing to step aside now and let the younger people come in with fresh ideas and, uh, and uh, do things differently, maybe, maybe drastically different. I don't know. But uh, uh, we got to get rid of the Pelosi's. We got to get rid of any the Grassleys, for God's sake, and uh, all of these these uh, mummies that that come and, and sit in the Capitol uh, year after year after year just entrenched and do nothing but collect checks from lobbyists. Yeah, I agreed. You know, if we can't do anything with term limits and I don't know how that would even be possible, everybody says we got to have term limits, but the, the Congress isn't going to vote for term line limits against themselves. They're just not going to fucking do that. But if there nope. was somehow we could get age limits, you know, maybe yep. get some of these younger people to say, yeah, we don't need the 75, 80 year old people. Because they're out of touch with what's going on today. I mean, even you and I at our ages aren't really in touch with what the millennial mindset is. Um, and when you say the millennials are the ones that are going to be uh, taking over, and I agree with you because uh, they're 70, 80 million strong, and they're going to be like the boomers at some point, and they will take over um, and since they do side with the progressive side, that's why I see, and I think the Republicans see this too, that we are heading toward, and very quickly, a huge switch to the other side. Because yep. the millennials will make that choice. And the Republicans are now just scraping and scrapping, just trying to hold on to any fucking kind of power they can, because they know soon it's gone. And this is why they're rushing around, even though it's against their best interest. Let's get the abortion thing overturned. Let's do this. Let's do that. Because they know their time is fucking short. 
Exactly. And and the smart money uh, should be on the millennials for the Democratic Party. And, and let me throw this out there real quick. They're not going to be any more anxious to extend Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid for guys like you and me than the Republicans are, because they don't see it as something they'll benefit from. Right. So I say... We need to show them we need to put forward an olive branch to the millennials. And we do that with student debt reform. That doesn't necessarily mean that uh, everybody walks away from their loans scot-free. But we, we make the institutions that have been gouging these kids pay back the interest they've taken from them. Uh, uh, we, we, uh, we do things so that... Uh, the, the student loans become what they were meant to be, a leg up to people, not an anchor to drag them down. And that is exactly what they've become. And if it takes forgiving every damn penny of student loans in the whole country, then do it. Absolutely. Do it today. Do it yesterday because it will pay us back in the long run. It will be a good faith gesture saying we bail out corporations. We bail out auto companies. We bail out saving loans. We bang up bail out insurance companies and banks all the friggin' time. How about a couple of kids over here? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to be done. Uh, you know, well, the funny thing about millennials is, is, is that there's this, rift between millennials and boomers it makes no fucking sense i'm a boomer my kids are millennials yeah i'm bitching about millennials and i raised fucking millennials maybe i should look at how i raised them if i don't like how they turned out there should be some kind of connection because we're closely related granted they have a different perspective because of the way we raise them but at the same time they've got to uh, understand that as much as they have a lot of clout as much as they have 70 million 80 million people a voting block so do the boomers the boomers have a 70 million uh, 70 million voter block and and this is the whole contention i had when i did the rational boomer Um, The boomers are at the point right now where we're kind of getting pushed aside as older people tend to do. You're too old. We don't want to hear from you. And and I get that because we did that to our parents. Oh, yeah. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that the boomer group is just too big to ignore. If the boomers could come together in any way, they could control what's going on in this country. Unfortunately, we have the rational boomers and the fucked up boomers. So not all boomers are going to come together. But if we can pull together a group of decent boomers that want to do some good for the benefit of the millennials, hopefully they'll recognize that and we'll do better in the long run. I agree. And and there's something else we could do. A lot of that student debt, for example, people, why should I pay for some rich kid's college, right? You know, well, m- most of that is some of it is fraudulent. I mean, it's the uh, I don't want to I don't want to malign any particular community college or, uh, 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 you know, business academy, that kind of thing. Uh, the so-and-so school of business, those things. So they have their place. They turn out lower level accountants and that kind of stuff. And, and even radio announcers. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I went to Brown Institute uh, and gave me a leg up. I mean, it was a two-year, a one-year program that got me into broadcasting after I had a, a college degree. But uh, there were there were a lot of them that were just 
they're like charter schools. They popped up for no other reason than to be able to suck the money, to get the kids to get the loan. They took the money and ran. There was no education part of it. That's all fraudulent. Those should be forgiven first, right? These kids were just duped. So, uh, uh, but the, the state colleges and so forth, all of the people who, I mean, more people go to state colleges than anything else. Um, and, uh, um, they graduate with degrees in, in, you know, they're most of the teachers go to state colleges and come out and things like that. And, um, it's, we're not talking about the Ivy league here. Right. Right. And, and I got a bone to pick with the Ivy league, quite frankly, because, um, the upper reaches of government, everything bad that's happened to this country since the fifties came out of the Ivy League. I don't care if it was the Bay of Pigs or if it was Vietnam or if it was, uh, our policy in the Middle East or in South America, wherever the ugly American held sway, that's all Ivy League bullshit. Right. It all came out of there. And it was, and it, and most of the presidential candidates and most of the senators uh, you know, they come out, they come out of Harvard Law and, uh, uh, Harvard, Harvard Law, the, the Ivy League and, and, the, you know, the, uh, uh, that group and, you know, some like University of Pennsylvania or University or, uh, Chicago and places like that for economics and everything that's bad comes out of there. Right. So, uh, no, don't forgive that debt because those are all rich people and the people that aren't rich who are their own scholarship. That's not who we're doing this for. We're, we're the, for the people who went to Boise State and, and got their uh, secondary uh, education. Uh, I mean, their uh, high school, you know, to be able to teach in high school or elementary education. Uh, those are the people whose loans we want to forgive because, you know, they're out there, they're doing their job, but they're being, uh, they're being, they'll never own a home because they get to pay their student damn debts at a predatory interest rate. Yeah. So, that's I think, what I'm, that's where we need to focus. I, I think there's no question that they have to forgive. They should forgive all the loans and there's every good possibility for it. And Joe Biden should be looking at this, but he continues to dick around with it. If you forgive all the loans, it's going to help the economy. We all as older people have houses we want to sell or whatever. We want the economy to flow. And if we're sending these millennials off deep in debt, slaves to debt, they aren't going to be able to be consumers. And if we don't have consumers for the next generations, then we're fucked as far as economy. And if that isn't enough for Joe Biden, if that isn't enough, sometime between now and 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 uh, the midterms, forgive the loans, because that yeah. will guarantee you a huge millennial outreach with votes and it's going to help you in the elections in 22 and 24. Uh, but, but see, Joe's so old school. He's going, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. It's the fucking smart thing to do. It is. It is. It is and it has to be. That's where we need an Obama. That's where we need uh, a Clinton. We need somebody with the gift of gab who can go out there and sell it. Just like I, I stumblingly tried to do there that, that what we're forgiving is the people that are making, you know, the teachers don't make that much in no. the long run. 
uh, they'll never be able to just get out from under, but they're educating our, our kids. They're taking care of our kids. In some cases, they're shielding our kids from bullets with their own bodies. Forgive their damn loans, for God's sake. And, uh, and not just in that, in most other industries and so forth, they are, they're taking their four-year degree and they're going out there and they're, they're going to work every day and they're getting the job done. And uh, they need some help here because it wasn't their fault that those loans turned into such an anchor around their necks. Absolutely. They had no choice. They had to go to school. That was the price. They got the loans and now they're fucking stuck. They wanted to get out and earn a living like everybody else, but everybody told them you got to get a college degree. So they did. And now they've got, like you say, this anchor around their neck. I'll take it a step further. And this makes me sound ultra liberal, even though I'm not, I'm just thinking about I'm trying to use logic, common sense, and look to the future. We need to forgive the loans and then for at least a period of time, make all college and and trade schools free because we've got got a lot of dumb people in this fucking country. And by making this country smarter or more effective or more productive, that's going to be a plus for the country, the economy, and just the future of everything. It's, it's unfortunate that it's gotten to this, but because uh, education has been able to charge whatever the fuck they want, they've, they've grifted um, so much money that now it's beyond, uh, it's at the tipping point. I, I've said this before, what will happen is if you feed a dog, not all dogs, but if you feed a dog food in the morning, then you feed them mid-morning and then you at noon and then at between noon and dinner and then you feed him that fucking dog is going to eat every bit of that food every time until he explodes and that's what i've always said about the rich they're going to keep grifting the middle class until the middle class can't get give them any more and the middle class will certainly suffer but the rich will suffer because they got nowhere to get money now now all of a sudden they can't get money it's 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 self destruction by continuing to anchor under other people with this fucking debt and keeping them stupid well this is true i mean how 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 dumb do you have to be to not see that okay um Donald Trump slashed taxes on rich people and corporations right. and now they're talking about raising taxes on poor people and the middle class not even uh, poor people people making a hundred grand right that's who they're going to raise the taxes on and that's to pay for the people for the tax cuts they gave to the wealthy right yes now on education i have a radical a radical radical proposition which won't happen but it should now when i was when i was in school this was uh, 67 i graduated from high school so the next I worked for a year and then 68 to 72, I was in college. And during that time, just before I graduated, uh, the the school where I wound up going uh, was East Tennessee State College. That's what it had been for years and years and years and years and years. And then suddenly, right before I graduated, it became East Tennessee State University and Middle Tennessee State University and Memphis State University. Uh, We'd always had the University of Tennessee, the premier institution with with some satellites around the the state. But suddenly every dinky little college everywhere was now a university. I'm not even sure that how that happens because they didn't really change all that much. Uh, It was pretty, pretty much superficial. Now, 
I had a pretty good high school. I had some pretty good dedicated teachers. And when I got to college, I was surprised to find that uh, in the curriculum I was in anyway, which was, uh, well, I was an art major and then I was a theater major, but it was all geared toward education. Everybody who graduated pretty much would have a teaching certificate too. So it was kind of a teacher's college, right? That's right. what it had been. Been, but uh, I, when I got there, I found my first two years I didn't have to study. I didn't have to read the book. I didn't have to go to class if I didn't want to. I'd learned it all in high school. So my first two years that I was paying tuition for, uh, and I didn't need. It wasn't until I hit my junior year and my senior year that I started having the upper class courses that I had to start studying that I had to start because I had professors who wanted me to to learn more than I already knew. So my proposal would be that we take the community colleges and we make them free and the trade schools. That's two years of education post high school, absolutely free. You go become an electrician, a plumber, a, a carpenter, whatever. Then you go out and get into an apprentice program. And uh, before you know it, uh, if you play your cards right, you're a pretty rich man. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. These trades play, they pay really well. Now, uh, for the, the, uh, the, the trade school, I mean, for the, the, the regular college, those two years, you do away with them. So college becomes a two year program. Right. You go in, you take what you learned in high school, and you hit the ground running. And uh, so in two years, you get what you would have gotten in four, and you can go out and be a teacher. You can go get a job in an insurance company. You can, you can do something. You've gained two years of your life that you don't have to spend in college, or you can put that toward graduate school and do even better. And exactly. that you have to pay. That you have to pay for. You can take out a, a loan for two years of grad school, or uh, two years of law school, or get a good start on med school. But you use those community colleges to get you ready to learn in college, which is a two-year program. Am I brilliant or what? Yes. <laughs> well, the thing is, too, what we should want to do with these kids in college, we should want to get them in and out of college as quickly as we can so they're earning a living and paying taxes. Again, yeah. all this stuff isn't just a free giveaway. It's kind of strategizing for the future, making these millennials and Gen Zs not only consumers but producers. They can't yeah, be consumers then, if they can't pay any money. And if they're in debt, they can't pay any money. If they're not earning any money, they can't buy anything. Make me secretary of education because I can do this. I can get this done because every college in the country is dependent on uh, the government uh, for a certain amount, either research funds or uh, in some way or another, they're getting a big load of government money. And, uh, and, and the other thing we got to reform colleges is they're not paying their associates anything. In some right. cases, literally nothing. <laughs> Just, so, uh, there's, there's a lot that needs to be done. Because colleges have just been kind of allowed to do whatever they want to do. And they're a big part of what this country is about. And they need to toe a line, too. And uh, I, I, we really need a lot of reform there. And to make them do what we need them to do, not just be a place to party for two years and then suddenly realize, oh, i got to graduate in two years, so I better get serious. Get serious to begin with. 
Yeah, absolutely. We need we need uh, to have some focus on the future. I mean, that's that's the one thing I dislike about the Republicans. They're so short sighted. They are, I want my money now. I don't want you to get any money now. I don't care about the future. They obviously don't care about the future when it comes to climate change. But when you think about the economy and you think about money, you, 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 you would have to believe that they'd be brighter about this, but they're not. They're all about, I need what I want now and fuck yourself. But unfortunately, you're going to do that to the detriment of the com- company or the country and the economy, and you're going to eat shit later if you don't do it the right way. And, and that's what I just don't get. I, I don't see how they don't see that. Well, they do see it. See, what you got to remember about the Republican Party is that you have two parties. You have the people that run the Republican Party and get the benefit from the Republican Party. And they're a small group. They're up at the top. They're the the 1%. And they're the corporate heads and, and, and so forth. And and the money is coming to them in, in bags so quick they can't even count it. They, it's amazing to me. They have to hire people to count their money to know how much they have because they right. couldn't do it by themselves. The rest of the Republican Party is a bunch of, of, of cult members. Uh, they are... Uh, they don't know how anything works. They're undereducated. They're the, they're the deplorables. They're the, the poorly educated that Trump loves so much. That's the base of the Republican Party. It is, and it's not just the bottom third. It's, it's a good chunk of it that aren't benefiting in any way from the Republican Party, but they continue to vote for them. So uh, we need to get those people Educated. In school, yeah. <laughs> yes, and exactly. goes back to what I said before. We've got too many dumb people that fall for anything that somebody tells them, and we got to get them smarter if we have well, any hopes. Why, that's why they attack education. That's why That's why they're they're drumming on CRT and all of this stuff, and they, they're uh, sending people in to disrupt uh, uh, local school board meetings, and, and, and they're, they're trying to start up charter schools and, and, and all of this stuff to destroy public education so that people will never learn the truth because the truth skews liberal. Right, <laughs> There's just does. no other way around it. That's the truth. And uh, uh, it's the truth. The so truth what do you is th- the truth. How do you think this is all going to shake out? They kept delaying the payments on the loans. Now it's September 1. Um, we know that Joe Biden said, yeah, I think we could do 10 grand. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. The 10 grand that he would give to forgive for loans is as worthless as this recent gun bill. It yeah. doesn't fucking fix anything. It's just an empty promise or an empty, empty token that says, Hey, I did something, but you accomplished nothing. You fixed nothing. $10,000 doesn't do it. Now the progressives want $50,000. That would have an impact on most people because most people are in and around that range as far as, uh, as far as what they have in terms of uh, debt. Now, there are people with bigger debts, but it goes to what you said before. People who are becoming doctors and lawyers and going to Harvard, they owe a lot more than that. But you're right. They're rich. This would be the the way to focus on the people that need it. So come September 1st, are they going to delay it again? I think that would be fucking stupid because there's a lot of hay that could be made by Joe Biden by forgiving these loans going into the midterms. He's going to have to look like he did something 
And, you know, the, 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 the COVID relief bill is fine and all that stuff, but that was a long time ago. People don't remember that shit. He needs something to give him some uh, cachet coming with the millennials coming up to the, uh, to the midterms. Absolutely. And if you can turn the millenniums now, if you are not even turn them, just get them involved uh, to not ignore politics because they don't see any benefit from it. That's what a lot of them do. You've got to let them see that if they do get out and vote and give the Democrats power, that it will benefit them. And when they see that, then uh, you have, you've got them. It's like the labor unions we had for so many years because they saw the benefit of having Democrats in power, right? Right. Works, works the same for, for the millennials. But yeah, it's got no 10 grand is that's piss in the ocean. No, forget that. Uh, that's not even on the table in my world. Uh, what we want is uh, at minimum 50,000, but it's got to be coupled with reform in the sense of, uh, if, if somebody's getting $50,000 paid off, there's somebody else who's going, I want to go to college. I'm going to have to take out a loan. Right. He, they've got to be able to go and get a loan, go to their bank and get a loan. And that's where the loan stays. And the, the rate is fixed at a certain amount, just like, see, you know how a GI loan works. So you, I, I, I you got a GI loan for my first house right. and I used it. It it uh, it uh, I uh, it guaranteed that loan, so the institution gave me a better loan. You know, I didn't get anything free, but I got a much better loan because the government was behind me. Uh, if I had just walked in off the street, I had just started at the post office. I was making six dollars an hour, and uh, and uh, a bank would look at me and say, "I don't know if you're the best risk for." loaning you $45,000. Uh, you know, maybe come back when you've established some more credit or something. I had the government behind me saying, yeah, this guy's a good risk. Give him a loan. So they did do the same thing with the student loans for goodness sake. It's not going to kill anybody and it will make for a much better country. As you say, they'll be in the workforce. They'll be paying taxes. Do it, do it, do it, do it with the loan forgiveness and we're cooking. Well, and the thing is, I don't think people realize, and I went through this with my kids, um, even if you have a loan of, say, $50,000, and you're making the payments, and you're up to date, and you're not in default, if everything is going fine as far as you paying your loan, this kid goes to buy a house or a car or something, and they say, okay, well, you're paying this for the loan. That doesn't really matter what you're paying. They don't figure that in. All they see is he owes $50,000, and that doesn't work in the equation for him to qualify for this loan. He owes $50,000, and so now he can't buy a house, or now he can't buy a car or whatever it is he wants to, and, and then, of course, he can't uh, contribute to fucking society and the economy. Right. And I don't know how the interest rate changes. I guess they sell the loans or something so that uh, yeah. that, that uh, there's a higher interest rate or something that goes in there. Uh, that has to end. You know, the, the, the interest rate that you sign up for when you take out the loan, a low one backed by the government never changes. That's got to be locked in. And then we won't be having to forgive these things because the loans won't be as much. And you got to have some reform. 
at the institutions themselves. There's a lot of redundancy. There's a lot of programs that benefit nobody. If I want to, uh, let me put it this way, you should get loans for certain programs and maybe not for others. If I want to major in general studies or if I want to major in uh, Chinese history or something, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't get a loan for that. Your right. parents are going to have to pony up for that. You know, sorry for the Chinese history majors out there. I'm sure you're doing well and you're working in the federal government right now or something. But uh, um no, we have to take a look at the programs and, and make the loans where they count. Right. You know, we in this country, we lack a lot of things. Try to get a plumber or an electrician these days. It takes four months to get one to come work on it. So we do need tradesmen and women. Uh, but in terms of other things, too, just we've got a shortage of employees. So there should be plenty of opportunity out there for people who who uh, want to be accountants, want to be whatever, something short of lawyers and doctors. That's a different thing. Frankly, we probably have too many lawyers. We probably could use some more doctors. I've got to tell you, I know we can use some more doctors. I've had two doctor's appointments recently. The first doctor's appointment I went to, I sat there for two hours and the guy still wasn't coming in. I said, look, man, I got to go. So I get a new clinic. I go sit down. I'm ready to go. It's been two months. She got COVID and all this shit. And uh, I've got this clinic close by and I'm sitting there. I'm on time. I'm in there. They take my blood. They do all the stuff. And then they come in and they go, um, there was an emergency. So she's not coming. Can we reschedule you? And I said, sure. Well, she's going to be gone all next week. And I said, well, I'm going to be gone all the next week. Well, can you come in Friday? I said, well, I'm coming back on Thursday. So, yeah, I can come in Friday. Uh, but <laughs> I can't wait till she sits down and says, why haven't you seen a doctor quicker than this? I fucking tried. Yeah. Well, and, and the case in point with me, I've been trying to get a couple of outdoor faucets installed for six months. There's only one decent plumber in town. And, of course, he's busy all the time. Uh, I was on his schedule and, um, he wasn't coming. He wasn't coming. I called, found out he had COVID. He almost died. You know, uh, he's recovering and so forth. I get back on the schedule. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. I call, uh, his daughter says, uh, who's his schedule? I'm sorry. He's got COVID again, you know? So, uh, and you know, much milder this time, thank goodness. But, but, um, at the same, I mean, like I say, like you say, um, we could have 20 plumbers here if we could get people the training. There's well, we, plenty of work for them. Well, one of the big problems with this country's economy is that when we were a strongest economy, we were manufacturing things. We were producing things. Now it's become cheaper to send it overseas because the companies want to make big money. We need people producing things here other than, uh, and I'm going to get on my own shit about this, but I'm retired. I worked. Uh, you know, instead of saying, I'm going to create content on the internet and try to get rich doing that or try to do whatever online, there's plenty of people to do things online, whatever that might be. We need some people that just want to do work, just standard work. We need retail people. I mean, we're, we've got no retail people and that's partially on, you know, the way things are now, but these retail people refusing to fucking pay them decently, even now when they're short, they don't want to pay them decently. There's got to be a whole shift, not only 
not only in, in, in education, but how this country runs generally. We're right at the tipping point, and a lot of things have to change. Uh, no kidding. And, and uh, I, I go to Target like every two weeks. We go to Kingsport. My wife has a medical appointment <clears throat> for shots. And I, uh, I, I go to Target. And um, at this particular Target, they have one lane open with one cashier, and they have 10 of those self-checkouts. So right. I work at Target now part-time right, <laughs> every right. two weeks, every two weeks checking myself out. Well, I don't do that because I refuse to use them. Uh, I, I, if I have to, I wait in line 10 minutes so that I, I, I want to keep that young lady working. I right. want him to have to have at least one uh, person there. And, you know, the whole idea of American manufacturing stopping and everything going overseas, that was no accident. That wasn't no. a natural evolution. That was American manufacturers. That was the big boys saying, you know, we can make a lot, a lot more money if we don't have to pay union. So they just clicked the switch. They went overseas. They made their deals. They had the infrastructure ready. And one day, they just flipped the switch. There went the steel industry. There went all of these. There went the auto industry to a certain extent, and all of these other manufacturing jobs went just straight overseas because they were ready. They were ready to get going, and and it was done on purpose to disenfranchise the American worker and uh, to make them uh, slave labor for what was left, really. And um, we that's there's been a war on the American worker ever since the 70s. And uh, uh, I don't know why people don't see that. Well, yeah, we've got these companies begrudging employees to get paid a decent amount. And that's that's fucking ridiculous. You can't you can't sustain a business if you won't have people working for you. And now people are starting to realize this regarding the self-checkout. I don't even understand why they exist. Because every time I go to a self-checkout, one of two things is going on. I go through the self-checkout and something gets fucked up with the computer. And I got to stand there and wait for somebody to come over, punch in a code and fix the fucking thing. And if it's not that, they've got somebody sitting over in the checkout that's one of the employees. And they come up to everybody and they help them through the process. So what's the fucking point of self-service? You're not self-service. You know, I, I watched a guy, an old guy, walk up to a, a machine at Target, and he just stood there. Yeah. You're in self-service. And he motions over to somebody, you got to help me with this. Why don't you get in the fucking line with this full service? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, they're, they're, there is a war against employees in this country, but now they're starting to pay the price. So hopefully that will help out um what's going on uh, with the way business is run because it's not benefiting the employees at all. And as long as you keep stealing from the employees or not offering decent jobs, it's horrible for this economy. Yeah. I got to throw something else in here just while we're on the topic. It seems like every time I go to the grocery store now, it's like, uh, do you want to round up for disabled veterans? Do you want to round yeah. up for the humane society? Do you want to uh, kick in two bucks for uh, uh, whatever? Right. And, you know, I don't even think about it as a sure, you know, whatever. And then I started thinking about it. 
okay, what's really happening here, right? Exactly. uh, This store, whatever one it might be, whether it's Piggly Wiggly or Kroger or whatever, they are taking my money and they're putting it in a big lump and they are giving it to an organization, we hope. We all think that I, I think they are. They're giving it to disabled American veterans, right? Uh, they take all my pittances, my roundups, my two dollars, whatever, and everybody else's. Because let's face it, it takes a real dick to say no. <laughs> but sometimes you got to be a dick. But anyway, so they they lay um, two million dollars on disabled dis- disabled American veterans, right? right? And then they take a tax deduction on it, right? Right. So they are taking my money to give them a tax deduction. Plus, they're getting credit for being charitable. And that's yeah. bullshit. Yeah, I get all I get very frustrated about that. I mean, when, when are you going to stop digging me? I mean, it, it reminds me of going into the old retail electronic store, yeah. buying your CD player for 200 bucks and them saying, oh, you need the you need the uh, the maintenance plan. And that's <laughs> 70 bucks. Yeah. And, and, and these go, I, I don't really want to pay this. But, well, you really need to, because what if it breaks down? I said, well, if it breaks down within the next year, I'm never buying another motherfucking CD player from you again. It shouldn't break down in two years. So the same thing is, can I round up? You know, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've seen I've had that before. You walk into a Goodwill or one other store. You want to round up to the nearest dollar? You know, if it's like 75 cents, 99 cents, okay. But these fuckers, I'm doing something at 702. Do you want to round it up to eight? Now, it's not a lot of money, but I don't like the fact that these people are putting me in this position, that I look like a dick if I don't, because I don't really know where it's going. And it's not like I don't give to charities outside of my trip to the fucking hardware store. I do. Yeah. Thanks to my wife, not so much to me, but we give a lot to cherries over and above this shit. Why are, why are we put in that position again? It annoys me. It annoys me too. put a jar up there. If I got yeah. a spare change, I'll put it in the jar and don't put your name on it. Okay. Uh, let the organization bring in the jar with their name on it and I'll put the money in it. And I will. They I mean, used I'm, to I'm, do that. Yeah. But like now March of dimes the, and shit. Yeah, but somebody figured out, hey, we can get a tax deduction out of this and look like princes. So let's do this. So we're going to get donations and we're going to strong arm the motherfuckers. Yeah. (laughs) Force them to not look like a dick. And you know what? In my life, I've spent so much time looking like a dick. If I'm not in the right mood, I go, no, no, we're not (laughs) doing that. Uh, You know, you know, the problem is, too, is you, you, you. You get these places that say, you want to put the two bucks in for this, for the whatever charity? I go, yeah. But when I go into these places multiple times in a week, and now it's 10 bucks a week. Now it's 20 Mm -hmm. bucks a week. That's when it pisses me off because nobody in line knows that I've already given them six bucks for the first three times I've gone through. And now I got to look like a dick by saying no. Well, now I got to give you another one. Now, my wife says she's never seen this anywhere else, but I grew up with it. So I'm, I'm used to it. Uh, a couple of times a month, the rescue squad or uh, the lions club or somebody, 
um, they will be out in the middle of Main Street with these uh, sandwich boards, and uh, they're taking donations. They're standing out there, and cars go by on either side, and people stop and give them a couple of bucks, some spare change, whatever, and keep going, right? right. And uh, this happens almost every Saturday. Uh, there's somebody out there, and uh, you, you learn to make allowance for us. Well, like two Saturdays ago, right? I think it was uh, uh, Rescue Squad. So I, I go early to Food City to do my shopping. I go in and I get the dick treatment you know, yeah. on the, and uh, there. And that. so I give them two bucks going, right? They just set up. So now I got to go back by there, you know? And what do I say? I already gave or do I give them some more? Well, the first time I gave him another book, as it was that day, I did. I had to make three trips in that direction. Right. So the next two trips, I'm going way out of my way. <laughs> so I don't have to go through there and try to explain to them, you know, and it's it's like at Food City when the, 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 the high school girl who's checking out my shit says, uh, do you want to round up for disabled veterans? You know, I'm not going to stand there and explain to her that this is, you know, this is uh, uh, that they're screwing me over (laughs) while the the lady here is going, move along, move along. I got to get my donuts so I can get get to wherever she's going. Uh, No. So it's uh, it's coming at me from every direction here. (laughs) Well, I have that problem with Girl Scouts when they sit outside the stores and they're selling their cookies. Okay. Yeah. I found a way to get around it. And, and the reason I want to get around it is because I have grandnieces and I'm buying all kinds of cookies that I have no business buying, but I want to support my, my niece and, and whatever. So I, I give them a bunch of money. I buy the cookies, but now I walk into the grocery store and there's these cute kids with their moms and dads. Would you like to buy cookies? Well, I just bought a fucking gross of cookies. No, I don't want to buy cookies, but I don't want to make these people feel bad. So you know what I do? I go, you know, I'd really love to buy these cookies, but I have type two diabetes and my <laughs> wife would kill me. And they all look at me and go, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't look like a dick. I look like I'm just trying to be healthy. There you, you go. You little girls are trying to fucking kill me and I'm not going <laughs> to let you do it. I'm not going to pay you to let you try to kill me because I love Girl Scout cookies. I just can't buy a truckload every time they become available. It just it makes no fucking sense. Well, anyway, we're we're at the end of the show. And, and Ed, I want to thank you for coming in and uh, um, participating as you do. It's always a pleasure. It always makes my job easier. And uh, I'm all for working less. I'm a retired yeah, guy, so I don't want to put in any hard work. So the fact that you pick up the slack and carry some of the load, I appreciate it immensely. That's uh, okay. I'm used to being exploited. <laughs> <laughs> You're used to being exploited. And uh, I, I, you know what I thought you'd say? You know, back from the days we were on the air, that you were yeah. used to carrying me on your back. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Actually, you did that for me back then i i prayed some days for continuous coverage so i could put my feet up and do the my, do the off the you know because i often while we were on the air i would be announcing music and in the lulls i'd be running in and doing a cut a spot or something because we were shorthanded there too you know right, but right. when you were when you were doing continuous coverage like this what you do when you're on 
your own, right? You talk for an hour yeah. um, uh, uh, because there's a truck derailed on a bridge somewhere and you've right. got to make it sound interesting for an hour. Uh, I'm, I'm back with my feet up uh, drinking my coffee going, hey, let's keep it going for another hour. <laughs> yeah, no shit. And I hate this shit. I'm struggling and I'm bored. I'm putting myself into a trance. Yeah. Yeah. Those days I'm glad they're gone. I can do an hour with the podcast because I can stop if I really want to and then start back up. And with the magic of editing, it doesn't look like I did anyway. Ed, thank you very much. I'm going out of town on Sunday. So this show will air during the week that I'm gone. So I appreciate you helping me fill a spot and it's always valuable and it's always uh, informative and uh, entertaining. And I thank you for that. So, uh, you have yourself a great week and uh, yeah. a bit of advice for you. You're, you're going down to Georgia, right? Yes, I am. Well, uh, work on your foghorn and a leg or an invitation <laughs> because they, 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 they really like it when people talk like that down there. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I say, I say son. <laughs> yeah. 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 It'll go over real well. Trust me. <laughs> Every time I go in someplace and I'm talking to somebody and they look at me kind of weird, I go, I have to apologize. I'm a northerner. I don't know fuck all about fuck all. So just bear with me here. I figure, well, you know what I say? I say, uh, I may not sound like it, but I grew up here. I know where the bodies are buried. So don't fuck <laughs> with me. <laughs> that sounds good. All right, Ed, thanks very much. I hope you folks in the audience have a great day and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.